0: Again, I think, you know, like I was describing redacted to you before, like sure it's um in 2022 and 2023 it was a profitable project, but uh-huh. it was um there was a glass ceiling in terms of how much we could grow because it was um such a niche offering, right? And I think with here like you have different you know, you don't have to, everyone doesn't have to work towards getting their mom onboarded into crypto, right? Um, you can service different different user segments that exist in Ethereum, because there's so many different people, right, that want different things out of Ethereum. Again, like, you know, Lido is trying to make staking ETH simple. There's nothing wrong with that. And like, sure, they might get more TVL. But for us, like we might be able to make more money on less TVL because we're giving people, we're giving some people what they want, right? And the same is true with the stablecoin. Like sure, you have to sacrifice on things like your LTV a little bit to be able to collateralize it with different things. But at the same time, now you have a system where you can stay long ETH and have a stable coin and borrow against that long position at the same time.
1: lads, in this episode I review Sammy, one of the founders of Redacted Finance. Redacted has been shipping some pretty wild DeFi products, but most interesting to me is their new stablecoin De Niro, which they describe as a stablecoin backed by premium block space coupled with this stablecoin is their own LSD PX ETH, which you don't know what an LSD is. It's just liquid staked Ethereum. You've probably heard of LIDO. They're the biggest issuer of these things. Uh, They have their LIDO staked ETH. These are just tokens that are, these are just like uh, when you stake your Ethereum, it's normally locked. People wanted to be able to do things with it. So they have liquid stake tokens, which are like, they represent that locked token, but you can go do things with them. Okay. Uh, These tokens are earning that uh, earning around 4% typically. And that 4%, comes directly from Ethereum uh, emissions, okay? blockchain emissions. So the like, uh, same way that people mine Bitcoin and they earn Bitcoin, uh, you can stake your ETH and earn Ethereum. Uh, so it works in the same way. They typically earn around 4%, like I said. However, Redacted's PXETH earns closer to 8%. So typically they earn 4%, where PXETH earns 8%. That's pretty crazy. So in this episode, we talk about uh, how PXETH is able to earn 8% while these other ones earn 4%. What it means when they say their stablecoin is backed by premium block space, and their future plans for Redacted and all their other products, because they got a bunch of other stuff that they're doing uh, that have nothing to do with these things. So I mean, they do; they're all kind of interconnected. But they they have like their hidden hand, little bribe marketplace. They got all this weird stuff that they're doing. We talk about all that stuff and more. But Redacted doesn't get a lot of attention; it's a smaller project. But I think you're going to be interested in what they have to do. I think it's worth exploring. Let's dive right in. To start it out, can you briefly explain what Redacted Finance is?
0: Redacted Finance is a DeFi project that we launched just about two years ago now. The main focus of the protocol was to create uh, different tooling around liquidity infrastructure on chain. So, we put out different small products here and there, which I'm sure we'll get into throughout the episode, that helps other DAOs build liquidity. And that was sort of our niche. Going into the new year, we're expanding that vision into uh, the stablecoin idea that we've been wanting to build for a long, long time now. The, the stablecoin is called dinero and again, I'm sure we'll dive into it throughout the episode. So happy to talk about it.
1: Can you uh, maybe start out? I think your guys' first product was Hidden Hand. Can you can you explain what that is?
0: Yeah, totally. So in the world of DeFi, um, I'm sure we are just crypto in general. Uh, we've seen all sorts of tactics throughout the years on how you can build liquidity. Right. And uh-huh. for most projects, it's as simple as stake your LP token, stake the token single-side, um, even you know all the way to L1s, right? Like stake the token for the, the security of the network. And um, you wanna create these different liquidity sinks um, so that you can help grow the token. And um, obviously when you are emitting a token, you're saying, I'm just gonna spend $1, hopefully to attract X amount of dollars back in liquidity. And uh, what arised with the growth of Curve was this inefficiency that existed in a lot of markets where as protocols became more decentralized and they opened up their emissions to the DAO and governance, um, other protocols realized that they could start to persuade or sway over um, certain uh, token holders to vote for their protocol, right? And then they found the the inefficiency of I can spend one dollar to persuade this guy to vote for me which would actually attract a dollar and 50 cents in emissions, right? Um, So you have that sort of, you know, with Hidden Hand it ranges um, depending on the protocol, but we have around 14 integrations. Some of them bounce between, you know, being just as efficient as spending your own token. And then some of them like Prisma, for example, is around like a 10 X efficiency. So you can spend a dollar to get $10 back. And, And that's what Hidden Hand basically does. It's the middleman enabling these protocols to talk to the token holders. To exploit those that yield arbitrage
1: and it's often called bribes right like what, what you're talking about not like in a not in a negative connotation but like on in the crypto space it's called bribing
0: right did i did i not say the word bribing once there
1: uh maybe you did <laughs> maybe i just missed it <laughs> um okay okay so so you have these bribes that are in their basic. it's basically for liquidity almost or yeah it,
0: it, it's it's mostly for liquidity right? but you you can apply it to a bunch of different things right so most of the integrations we have are Dexes, right? Um, Pancake Swap Balancer, um, but then you can start to play around with some other things. For example, like I said, Prisma is a stablecoin project, and that could be useful for LSD projects who want to create more liquidity for debt, not even just swaps, right? Um, or you could have uh, something like FloorDAO, for example, which is like a treasury-based project that's focused on NFTs, right? So you could have NFT projects doing that to suck up a lot of the supply. And there's a bunch of different ways to apply it. Mostly financial-based projects, obviously, um, but it's not limited to the DEXs.
1: Got it. So it's kind of like an incentives platform. Like you come to this platform as a as a protocol to get users to do kind of what you want them to right. do.
0: And then on the other side of that, the other, the other side of the trade is the users are coming to the platform to... Get paid for a vote that they don't feel any sort of way about
1: yeah okay okay so sort of like um uh convex and curve or is this kind of wrapped up in that i don't know but like the the concept of like hey a lot of people own convex tokens because they just want to like invest in it but they don't actually care to use their voting rights and so it's it's along those lines of like you know if you don't want to use your voting rights and you really care about them why don't you use them in my favor and i'll give you a little bit more yield that's the general concept
0: exactly exactly you know it's not applied to governance votes that would actually change the protocol. It's only applied to what are called like gauge votes, right? So when they say we're putting out a hundred grand in CVX and CRV emissions this week, like where do you guys want to distribute those emissions? Like that's what it's applied to, right? So you could rent away your vote for those specific types of votes. If for example, you might just own the token, but you're not farming anything, right? So you don't really care where the emissions go.
1: So I know with Convex, it's kind of like, you know, you say you have the Frax pool and Frax is like, hey, we want, to incentivize more people, to, more liquidity to our pool. So we want higher yields. So we want, you know, curve, um, uh, emissions to come here. We want, we want incentives to come here. And so th- they'll bribe, um, you know, CRV token holders or, um, uh, convex holders, which are, they, they hold CRV tokens to, to basically say, Hey, um, you vote in favor of the Frax pool so that, you know, we get a higher yield. So more liquidity comes in. And so it's, it's kind of all it's, it's all kind of games based around that kind of concept. Right.
0: Right. You could even you could even simplify it more. Right. Um, that curve pool exists for FRAX. Right. And FRAX could say, you know, stake this curve pool with us and we'll give you 20 grand in emissions. Right. When, whereas if you use a system like Hidden Hand, FRAX could um, spend that 20 grand to persuade voters to actually direct 40 grand in rewards to that pool. Right. That's essentially what they're doing.
1: So so Hidden Hand kind of sits in the middle of this whole process and just makes it more efficient and makes it so that like, you know, someone like Frax can spend less money to get a bigger result.
0: Exactly. And that that's really the types of um, niches and um, problems we've been trying to solve in the space up until now.
1: OK, so kind of different from Hidden Hand is Pyrex. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Can you explain what Pyrex is?
0: Right. Pyre- Pyrex follows the same sort of thesis around um, unlocking more liquidity and rewards for people, um, but falls more in the realm of the, the governance tokens themselves rather than the utilities of them. So what we do is it's a liquid wrapper solution where people can deposit the main the main vault is CVX. so we'll use that as an example. Um, people can deposit their CVX, we lock it for them, we manage all the rewards, they' are optimized their voting, all of these different things to get the highest yield possible, and in return you receive a liquid version of that locked position, which you can then use to DeFi, or you can sell it whenever you want, so you're not stuck in the locked position or unlock it early, any any sort anything you want.
1: So but you guys have like um I, I thought you guys had like an LSD in Pyrex, like a a liquid like your your own kinda LSD, is that true? Or? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So Um, the, the product started, you know, we, we like to take our times with things. We like to take our time with things, make sure things are really perfect. And the alpha of uh, the beta version of Pyrex essentially was this PXCVX. Like I just described it. Right. And, um, it it is essentially is an LSD, but for a DeFi token like convex. Right. Um, but now what we're doing, which we just released about a week or two ago was PXEth, which is our LSD for Ethereum. Um, so, using the same tech that we used for some of the other Pyrex vaults, um, <clears throat> we're creating an LSD, uh, an LSD for ETH specifically um, that will eventually go on to collateralize Dinaro, but. Um, using the same concept for ETH. So,
1: kind of to explain maybe to somebody who doesn't know what LST is, it's just liquid staked ETH, and basically, like when you stake your ETH, you earn, um, you know, around three to four percent, and that comes from emissions from the blockchain. It's like sustainable yield. But like, you know, obviously people don't want their staked ETH stuck. They don't want it. They want to be able to do stuff with it. And so, liquid staked ETH is taking that staked ETH and like kind of putting a wrapper around it and saying now you can go do stuff with your staked ETH while it's staked. Um, what would make uh, what you have with uh, P- PXE different than something like Lido Staked ETH?
0: Uh, maybe I'll go in a bit of a rant here. <laughs> um, the product we're trying to build is a stablecoin, right? Um, and eventually this will all come back as to why the LSD is different, <laughs> right? Um, the product we're trying to build for this year is a stablecoin. And in the decentralized stablecoin space, there's a few problems that need to get solved. One is obviously the decentralization of collateral. Um, the other one is the lack of utility, right? You know, most people will just go into USDC or USDT unless there's another stablecoin that's offering them really good yield somewhere. And that, that's basically the third problem too, is just like farm and dump tokens, right? So what we wanted to do was build a stablecoin that had unique utility that would cause someone to not only trust the collateral that's backing it, but also be able to use it while they're in the stablecoin. And uh, that's essentially what we did. So the stablecoin can be used not only for gas, um, but also we used for um, premium block space, uh, I, like a flashbots protect type solution throughout all the chains that we're integrated across. So Ethereum, all of its L2s, all the L1s we eventually expand to. Um, the stablecoin is like a single unit of account that you can use to uh, navigate your way throughout all these chains. Right? In order to do that, obviously, the we need a collateral base that's not only decentralized, but also dynamic enough to where we can do things like meta transactions and account abstraction and allow people to use this stablecoin for cool things. And, and that's what led us down the path of building this LSD, right? The LSD is uh, like all the others essentially, right? Like, you know, you put your ETH in and you receive back this receipt token essentially that's earning yield and you can use it throughout the, the space. Um, but it's, it's novel utility is that it can um, power these meta transactions, which the others can't. There's also some um, cool yield abstractions attached to it. So like you said, most LSDs are yielding 3%, 4%, but at the moment we're yielding 8%.
1: That's pretty crazy. <laughs> wait, wait, what makes up the difference?
0: So so the easiest way to describe it is that it's a two token system, right? Um, <clears throat> ETH enters the system and you would receive PXETH, right? PXETH can be used to farm Curve and convex and uh, aura and all the different integrations that we have for uh, PXETH. But it is not yielding any of the staking rate, right? Um, anyone who's in PXETH is sacrificing that Ethereum staking yield to people that are in APXETH, which is the staked PXE. Uh, so people in PXETH are farming the DeFi yields and they're sacrificing the staking yield to people in APXETH. The people in APXETH are farming the Ethereum yield and sacrificing the DeFi yields to people in PXE, right? So you create this abstraction of yield between the two different tokens, and then you let people who want to farm all of the opportunities on chain have that boosted ability because so much of the supply is locked up in the staked product. And then you let the people who want to farm just the Ethereum yield have that boosted yield because they are sacrificing all of the DeFi yield to everyone else in the other product.
1: So it does eight percent, but it, it does it. But you, as a holder, don't experience that eight percent. You're experiencing either half of that on the DeFi yield side or half of that on the stake yield side.
0: No. Um, so let's say there's uh, okay. The reason it's eight percent is because fifty percent of the supply of PXE is in is in just PXE. So fifty percent of the holders who are holding PXE would rather farm the opportunities on Curve or Bunny or Uniswap or all the different yield opportunities that exist right now, rather than earn the Ethereum staking yield, right? Um, So that 50% of supply that would be earning 4% has sacrificed it, making the staked product earn 8%, right? And then that other 50% of holders that are earning the 8% has said, you know what, we just want the Ethereum staking yield. We don't want the DeFi yields or anything like that. So all of that yield that would have been caught up in Curve and all of these different platforms that's earning whatever, um, like around like 20 to 25 percent, obviously with more risk, becomes like 50 percent because so much of the supply is locked up in just the staking product.
1: Okay, so um, you guys have PxEth. PxEth is making 8% because of this, um, because this, op- this kind of sort of arbitrage opportunity where some people are splitting off and, and doing different stuff with their PXEth and choosing to, um, uh, forego their yield. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Like you guys are doing, that's about double what anyone, I mean, like Lido's not doing anything close to that. Um, you know, uh, all, all these bigger staking platforms don't do anything close to that. Do you guys envision that'll attract like a lot of people to want to hold PXEth? And what are the risks?
0: We're introducing a lot of innovation with the stablecoin itself. And I think that itself will attract a ton of deposits into the LST system because of the yield that it offers and eventually the debt opportunity that it'll offer. Right. Uh, In terms of like, you know, the market ultimately decides who they want. So, um, you know, frankly, like we're not in a position where we say like we're going to flip Lido. Right. Um, That would just be ridiculous. Right. Um, But we do know that we can. Um, for the more experienced user, beat them out in terms of yield if you want to take take one step down the rabbit hole, right <clears throat> and manage that position. Easy. you know, sure, for the, for a normie or for your mom or something like you know Lido might be the, the better option because like you know it's it's much simpler, right. Um, but then you introduce a few different abstractions and a few different layers to the system where you can start to beat out others. You, attract, you you. eventually begin to attract a lot of um, deposits just from a different user group, which there's no harm in that. So, you know, because we can offer such a good yield, I think that we will be in a position where we are like a top five LSD, just serving a different community, just serving a different user group of people in the Ethereum um, community. In terms of the risks that you take, right? Like with any LSD, not just us, um, the risks you take are obviously having trust in the smart contract itself, um so that that would that would be the token um you have to trust that the validators will uh operate um fairly and not get slashed for example right uh yeah you know it's basic DeFi risks plus the risk of the validators being performant
1: so it's the same 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 risk as lido like smart contract risk slashing risk same thing as lido
0: exactly yeah
1: okay um so that's pretty exciting. Okay, so you have PXEth. PXEth is able to do 8%. It's doing this 8%. You know, maybe,
0: maybe um, <clears throat> not to interrupt you there, but one thing that people get confused about is you say that you know PXEth is earning double the yield that Lido is offering, right? And you say, what are the risks? Because it, it, you assume that it's using leverage or something, right? Um, but in the, it, truthfully, it's much simpler than that. It's just recognizing the fact that People do want to do different things with this LSD, and you creating that abstraction of yield between um, those different users is what creates that yield. Right? Um, it's not. It's nothing different than what Lido does, where it's just staking your ETH, but just by directing that ETH, the directing that yield to a different product is what creates that. Um, boost in, in APY.
1: Okay, so from my understanding of PX ETH, the way it works is it's br- the same as Lido. You're gonna take ETH. You're going to stake that ETH um, with um, Pyrex, and th- it, then that ETH is now uh, a yielding kind of ETH. You have a, a liquid-staked ETH, right? And so it's earning that 4% or whatever coming from Ethereum's blockchain. The difference between Lido and you guys is that you then have to stake your, your liquid-staked ETH again in order to actually get that yield. So normally with Lido, you you buy the the token, you're getting the yield. With you guys, you're gonna have to take your your token and uh, stake it again to get the yield. And there's gonna be people that don't wanna do that. And the reason they're gonna not wanna do that is they're gonna wanna go over to Curve, they're to go to Balancer, or they're gonna go to the, uh, these other places to do uh, DeFi things. They're gonna wanna farm various yields that are actually more than they could get with this token. And so they're choosing, they're saying, Hey, I, we don't want that yield. Uh, it's only 4% or whatever, or 8% or whatever. And we can actually earn 15 or 20% on curve or balance or doing DeFi stuff. So they're over doing, they're doing that. They forego their yield. And so the extra yield goes to the people that aren't doing that. And so you have this kind of, bouncing act going on, where some people are getting 8% for doing nothing. And these other guys are able to do some cool DeFi farming stuff and earn 15% or whatever. And and both sides are happy. That's basically how it works.
0: Exactly that. And I think another good analogy is um, for people that are familiar with like DAI's DSR, right? Um, So DAI itself is not earning the DSR yield, right? That's coming from its RWAs and all of that stuff. But if you hold die and you don't want to go farm die or do whatever you want with it, and you just want to hold it and stake it, you can do that, right? And you can earn 5% or whatever. Even though you could go earn 20%, 30% with all these cool things you can do with DAI, you can just stake your DAI and chill and earn 5%, 6%. It's very similar to that.
1: That's a great way to explain it. Okay, so for me, one of the most exciting things uh, as far as redacted and what you're doing is with De Niro. And you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to go more in depth. You described De Niro as an over-collateralized stablecoin backed by premium block space. Can you explain what De Niro is more in depth? Yeah,
0: sure. So um, explaining it to uh, someone who just got into the space, it's a stablecoin, right? It's pegged to a dollar and um, you can use it to... Eventually, like buy things in the real world using our partnership with MoverDAO and a bunch of other things, right? To people who want to know what differentiates our stablecoin from others, the way I would describe it is that this stablecoin can act as money on any chain, right? You can use the stablecoin using our RPC. You know, sometimes you change from the default RPC MetaMask offers to Flashbots or another provider or something. Um, you can use our RPC to actually pay for transactions using the stablecoin. More than just being able to pay for gas with that stablecoin, you're able to pay for MEV-proof transactions using it. right? So if you've ever used Cowswap, it's a similar analogy to that, where with Cowswap they say, you know what, you don't have to pay any gas fees here and we're gonna try our best to um, actually like create a transaction where you will not get sandwich attacked or any of these other scary MEV topics, right? We're doing the same thing. Because we own that staked Ether that is collateralizing the stablecoin, we're able to eventually get to a stage where we can start building the blocks ourselves and giving users who perform their transactions with our stablecoin uh, preferential treatment in the mempool, right? So when it comes down to it, what we're essentially saying is: you know, um, it's time to sell whatever you're doing. And you can go into USDC or you can go into USDT, which is similar, it's pegged to a dollar. But you can also go into our stablecoin that's backed by a decentralized set of Ethereum that's operated by this distributed set of validators and nodes. Um, but at the same time, you can use the stablecoin in real time to do anything you could have done with ETH or whatever. Let's say you're on say, you can whatever you could have done with Say, um, you can use the stablecoin to do the same thing.
1: So a normal stablecoin like USDC, USDT, um, well, well, for one, okay, what, what most people don't realize is these are actually big, <laughs> big cash flowing businesses. Like uh, I think Q1 of 2023, the Tether did like two billion dollars in profits. It's crazy. Now, people don't realize how lucrative stablecoins are. They're they're amazing. But a normal stablecoin like USDT, USDC, it's backed by um, US Treasuries. Okay, so like that's the majority of them hold US Treasuries. Uh, They're a real world asset. They have to have them in an account somewhere tied to a, you know, maybe their DAO or or whatever, and that's how they back their stablecoins. You're backing De Niro with Blockspace, and specifically the Blockspace tied to your uh, px eth maybe can you go more into that and how that works and how that like is stable and and you're you're able to do that
0: because you back usdc with one dollar worth of us dollars a a cash equivalent like a treasury or something right um you're able to mint one dollar for one dollar right whereas with us because there's a bit more volatility attached to ether itself right Um, What you're doing is a similar system, but you are saying, like, I'll give you, in our case, $120 of Ether and we'll give you $100 of the stablecoin. So while that Ether is out earning yield and doing all of these different things, um, you can borrow the stablecoin to go do whatever else you want with it, right? While that is earning yield and it's essentially a form of leverage, right? Um, at any point you can bring the stable coins back and get your $120 back, right? But it's a way of saying like, um, I'm going to have this $120 here earning this yield. And at the same time, I'm going to go take the stable coin and go do something else with it. And, and th- that's essentially how it works.
1: Got it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I have, you know, um, one eighth, right? I got, I got, thir- uh, 1200 bucks, whatever, whatever it is that 1300 bucks. I stake that on, um, Pyrex. I now am earning, and I stake my LSD to earn that 8%. And then I can take a loan out against that and get De Niro.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then that De Niro, but, but it's like at, what is it like, uh, what's the loan to value? Is it like 90%, 80%? Um,
0: it fluctuates, right? And like we will have places where you can borrow, you can borrow De Niro against just the staked PyXETH, You can borrow De Niro against PXEth ETH LPs that exist on, Curve or you know the, that other set of users that we were talking about that are earning more because they wanted they want to be more advanced with it. Um, you can borrow dinero against those positions as well. Um, so the the LTVs that are offered vary in range um, based on what you want to borrow against.
1: What about just the the stake teeth?
0: Uh, we're aiming for one hundred and ten percent. One
1: hundred ten. So, so oh, wait, you can borrow up to one hundred ten percent. One hundred
0: and ten percent. Sorry, collateral
1: ratio. Oh, okay. So you could borrow. Ninety percent. Ninety percent. Okay, so uh, out of my, <clears throat> let's say it was a thousand dollars an ETH to make it simple. So it's thousand dollars an ETH, and I can get nine hundred dollars in stable coins.
0: Exactly. Well, that would be very stupid. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> why would it? Why would it be stupid? Can you explain? Because um, just like just like being transparent about risks and stuff, right? Like obviously, what what uh, the risk that opens up here is the liquidation risk, right? So you know, if you were to like push it right to the edge and say, I want to borrow this nine hundred dollars, like there could be a fluctuation in the price of ether. And then we'd have to liquidate that. You'd obviously keep the stable coins that you borrowed, but that a thousand dollars would have to be used to protect the peg of the system, right?
1: And so uh, I was gonna ask, like, (laughs) how do you ensure the peg? But it sounds like um, uh, liquidation. So like, you know, if it goes if price goes down, like, I guess 9%, 10% exactly, then it gets liquidated.
0: Well, you know, like what you wanna do is you wanna have that buffer where all you need in the system is a dollar of ETH that backs a dollar of the stablecoin. But because Ether fluctuates so much and can swing, you want to create a buffer where you say like, okay, actually we're going to just say um, you need a dollar and 10 cents because even though we know this is, the stablecoin would be de-pegged if, if that value reaches 99 cents, um, we're going to liquidate you at a dollar and 10 cents um, just to get that ETH off of the system back into the stablecoin to make sure that we get nowhere near that dollar mark, you know?
1: But at what point, like how, so say, you know, I do that. How much does ETH price got to go? Say I did it at 90%. How much would ETH price have to go down before I got liquidated? One, 1%. Oh, 1%.
0: <laughs> because that's the max, that's the max LTV, right? So what you'd really want to do is like, say like, I'll put a hundred dollars up and I'll borrow $50 or $60 or something so that ETH can do its thing. It can fluctuate. It can go up, but it can also go down. And I'm not going to lose my money there. Right? Um, and then, you know, if ETH continuously goes down and it reaches a stage where like, okay, now you're pushing on 90% of your loan to value, then we'd have to start liquidating.
1: But the stable coin, based on how this work is always going to be like pegged. It's always going to be stable because it's going to get liquidated. What's it get liquidated into?
0: It gets liquidated into more, um, dinero that we buy back the dinero so that there's not outstanding, um, there's not outstanding stable coins that are, that, are, um, that don't have the collateral to back them. Got it.
1: Okay. So as ETH goes into price, basically the supply of De Niro shrinks. Um, and then, you know, as more and more people take out loans, the supply of De Niro grows.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Has anyone ever, is this similar to any other models out there? or Like you guys, the first ones to do something like this? I, I at least I haven't heard anything like this.
0: It's, it's pretty standard, right? Like, um, GHO died. Like a lot of them operate like this. Obviously, each stablecoin has its own nuances in terms of how it can be the most efficient. Um, But I'd say it's a pretty um, industry standard model of like offering debt against a volatile asset, right? Um, Yeah.
1: But is anyone else doing it like because, like I said, most are backed by treasuries. Is there anything else out out there backed by ETH?
0: Yeah, there's a few out there that are backed by ETH. There's Prisma, which is doing really well. Um, There's obviously Dai, which is like mostly USDC, and Frax is mostly USDC, but um, you got like Inverse and uh, Prisma and there's Libra. Uh, there's a few other DeFi projects that do this. Um, I wouldn't say that it's like the first project to ever create a stable coin that's backed by you.
1: So what's your guys' competitive edge or what, what made you guys do this if there's other people already doing
0: it? So like that, that's why I said the, the problem that exists is like most people will enter USDC because they can say, I'll put in a dollar, I'll get a dollar, right? Whereas with these systems where you want to back it mm-hmm. with, Whatever you want to back it with Bitcoin, you want to back it with Ether, you want to back it with Link or something, right? Um, you have to put in a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty to get a dollar out, right? So because that, because you're asking people to put up more to borrow less, you really have to bring something unique to the table in order to convince those people to do that, right? And the problem that exists with all of those stablecoins right now is that that utility simply doesn't exist, right? Um, sure i can go borrow against ETH and a variety of places but like i can't do anything with that stable coin and by us creating that rpc aspect of things um we're able to create a system where the stable coin can actually be used for things and be- you sacrifice on the capital efficiency you get on usdc or something but at the same time you get that added utility which even the bigger stable coins in the space don't offer
1: why don't people do or, or, or do people do this with stuff like uh Lido, right now, like, or and why don't you guys? Why wouldn't you say, "Hey, we'll accept some Lido to back our dinero as well, and um, you know, take out a loan against that."
0: So that, that's what mostly. What, like, for example, I said Prisma and Libra and stuff. That's what they're doing, right? So they say, like, put in your stuff and borrow the stablecoin, right? Whereas with us, we needed to launch our own LSD because of the meta trans- the, because of the utility the stablecoin offers. So we constantly need a dynamic collateral base where we can constantly pull on ETH to actually execute those transactions that the users are trying to do. Obviously we can't pay the miner in our stable coin, right? We need to pay the miner in ETH. So what they're doing is they're paying for transactions with dinero and um, they're using it for meta transactions and stuff. And we need that LSD there where we can not only build the blocks ourselves, but also be able to have that um, collateral base of ETH, which we can pull out to pay for the transaction.
1: Got it. So this has to do with, um the MEV stuff you were talking about earlier. Exactly. And so that's a big part of your vision. So I was thinking that was more of a smaller part, but that's a pretty big part of what you guys are trying
0: to do. Yeah, like, you know, like, um, all three of those proponents of dinero, the staked Ether, the stablecoin, and the RPC, um, they all work in unison with each other to make each other better, right? Um, the Like, all of them by themselves wouldn't be that much of a competitive offering because there's obviously stablecoins, there's obviously RPCs, there's obviously LSDs but by creating one unified system where each of them benefits each other, um, you end up having a competitive advantage over others because you have a more complete offer.
1: So with the RPC, like I've, ne- I've never personally changed my RPC to like anything other than like whatever the default setting was on my wallet. Um, do, do people do that a lot? Or like, what's the, I guess what's the model behind that? Yeah,
0: people do people do, do it a lot because um, <clears throat> for example, if you're using the basic MetaMask, Um, RPC, right? And you were to go make a swap on Uniswap, right? And there was an opportunity that exists with your swap where I, as someone who's a more advanced user, can see your transaction before it gets approved. And I can buy the token you're buying before you and then sell it after you buy it, right? A sandwich attack. I would do that. So people use different RPCs like I said Flashbots Protect earlier, where it's an RPC where your transaction is hidden from malicious actors like that. I guess the easiest way to describe it is like, it works with validators who aren't doing that. You pay a bit more, um, but you will not be exposed to those attacks that can happen in the mempool, right? Before your transaction gets included in a block. There's a considerable amount of users who change RPCs uh, either based on uh, attack factors like that mev attack I just told you about, or like a... uh, or just speed in general, right?
1: So is your play to be like, oh, we want users one by one to convert to like our RPC, or is it to get like wallets to be to be like built in, you know, they're using the redacted um, RPC because not only are they blocked from these, you know, or not, not only does it protect from MEV attacks, but also now the user can pay gas and whatever token they want. Is that kind of the thought or?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of, the, the nice thing is about that RPC is that there's so many unique growth angles for us as a DAO to, like, attack and use it to our advantage. You could do things like integrate it into wallets and have users just use it like that. You can integrate it into um, smart apps directly or chains directly so that um, when people are using those chains, they get that protection by default. Um, you can use it as an angle to say, like, hey, pay for gas and whatever token you want. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways you can integrate it and, and get the adoption and usage from it. Um, it doesn't have to be as complicated as like an inexperienced user having to change their RPC in MetaMask. Got it.
1: Okay, and that, so that part's actually pretty crazy that you could pay for gas in any token you want. If it's if if it's if that's doable, why isn't what doesn't all RPCs do that?
0: That's what we're here to solve. <laughs> you know, like I think there's a there is um, a few different reasons, right? Like one could be complexities of it, right? Like um, obviously, like a lot of these guys, like MetaMask, for example, has been around. They have a system that works. They a lot of people would trade positions to be where MetaMask is at. You know, we will offer that um, that service to people who want it, and I think there will be a bunch of people who do want to use that and would, would genuinely be excited about it.
1: So, with your RPC, say it, I, it got built into you know Rabby Wallet. I am using Rabby Wallet. I do you know swaps through it, and now like I never have to have ETH for gas again. I could pay for anything. I, I could use USDC to pay for gas.
0: Well, you you to start, you would use the for gas because we would still need that Ether. To be able to execute the transaction behind the scenes, right? Um, because obviously all the miners will only take ETH, right? Um, <clears throat> so we need that ether that is collateralizing dinero. So you would spend you would spend ten dollars in dinero. What we would be doing is we would be burning that ten dollars in dinero. Getting the ether from it and then paying for your transaction. Got it.
1: Got it. Okay, so you need De Niro to pay for gas. So it's an option where you can use a stablecoin to pay for gas.
0: Exactly. And one thing that we've played, one thing that we've played with also is is being able to use multiple different tokens also. So what that would do is like, let's say you have Link on. What's your favorite L2 right now? Um, Ar- Arbitrum. You have Link on Arbitrum, and that's all you have, and you want to make a swap. Eventually, you'll be able to use the RPC also to say. Uh, I'm going to pay for this transaction in Link. And what we would be doing then is we would be, again, using the Ether we have in the reserve, swapping that Link to ETH and then using that ETH for gas, even though you just paid for a transaction in link and that's all abstracted away. Got it. So
1: it's a UX upgrade for the user, which is probably pretty sorely needed. So that's pretty cool. I had totally underestimated the RPC thing. I was like, oh, cool, <laughs> an RPC. But the way you're describing it, I mean, if you guys were able to implement that, that's a pretty game-changing thing um, and I think is under-highlighted for, as a part of the vision. So maybe to break it all down, you have uh, PX ETH, which is like a competit- competitive with something like Lido right? It's a, it's a different version of Lido. You have De Niro, which is competitive with something um, like, you know, USDC, USDT. It's different. It's backed by ETH. Um, and then you have this RPC, which is a UX upgrade for all of crypto that if you can get, you know, a lot of people to adopt it, not only can they pay with um, the De Niro versus, you know, whatever gas token, um, but also they could pay with, uh, in the future, hopefully, like, pretty much any token.
0: Right, and and then that's where the flywheel starts, right? Is because the fees we make on those um, RPC transactions are flowing back to PXE, which makes our yield even more competitive than Lido, right? Which increases the yield, which increases the borrow demand, which increases the adoption of the RPC. So the flywheel, like this is what I'm saying about all three of them being very conjoined and per, like all of them having a very specific purpose. Um, because if the whole system is launched, and working together, then the more adoption we get on one, the more adoption we get across the other two.
1: And how does the protocol profit from all this?
0: Um, this fees taken all over the place, right? So uh, not not uh, not crazy fees, right? Let's use PXEth, for example, like um, 10% of all the yield that's generated is um, sent back to the protocol. All the people who lock the butterfly token, which is our governance token, get that fee. On the stable coin, for example, like. You know, there's usually like a liquidation fee. So if like a position gets liquidated, part of that profit goes to the lockers of the governance token. Um, On the RPC, like you take a bit of the transaction fee, pass that back. Right. So there's this small fee. So what you'd usually have to do with the project is you'd have to take a really big fee to make yourself really profitable. Whereas for us, because we're offering so much, we're able to take really small fees here and there. Um, that piece together to like a very profitable system for the DAO.
1: Yeah, I never thought about that. There's because there, there's a lot of uh, protocols right now that are doing kind of a similar thing where they're starting to expand outside of just being like a single shop offering to like having more of a an ecosystem of offerings. And I never thought about it from that perspective. Where like if you have one one offering, yeah, your fees got to be a little bit larger. But if you have this ecosystem, this flywheel, like you talked about, uh, then you can have a lot small. You're a lot more competitive because you can have these smaller fees. But as a whole, you're actually making more. It's really interesting. Um, so another interesting thing about De Niro, I think is the fact that it's like a truly decentralized stablecoin. So like you look at USDC, USDT, they are, they're connected to real world assets. So it's like, you know, if the government wanted to, (laughs) they could seize those accounts. Like, and, and, you know, that's why we see USDC and USDT, um, they will, they will censor transactions, um, based on, you know, if, if the government says, Hey, that's a bad actor, you, you know, or this money was stolen, they'll like freeze it and take it away. And when we all know this, we all accept this, but something like De Niro is really unique in that like, it's truly decentralized. There's no real world asset tied to it. It's backed by crypto assets. It's a crypto native stable coin. Um, do you guys see that as like a unique advantage or what are your thoughts about that?
0: Again, I think, you know, like I was describing, redacted to you before, like sure it's um, in 2022 and 2023, it was a profitable project, but it was, um, there was a glass ceiling in terms of how much we could grow because it was, um, such a niche offering, right? And I think with here, like, you have different... You know, you don't have to... Ev- everyone doesn't have to work towards getting their mom onboarded into crypto, right? Um, you can service different, different user segments that exist in Ethereum, because there's so many different people, right? That want different things out of Ethereum. Um, and for us, it's like, again, like, you know, Lido is trying to make staking eat simple. There's nothing wrong with that. And, like, sure, they might get more TVL, but for us, like we might be able to make more money on less TVL because we're giving people, um, we're giving some people what they want, right? Um, and the same is true with the stablecoin. Like, sure, you have to sacrifice on things like your LTV a little bit to be able to collateralize it with different things. But at the same time, now you have a system where you can stay long ETH and have a stablecoin and borrow against that long position at the same time, right? Um, so I think that like there's a there's a whole like plethora of, of opportunities that exist in the space. And it's about like capturing and owning the the trade. It's, it's, it's about owning the trade that you offer to users, right? Um, I know that I can give people the trade of longer Ether, longer staked Ether and borrow against it. Um, whereas USDC, the trade they're offering is like, give us US dollars and we'll give you a stable coin, right? Both of them have very viable um opportunities, but they're trying to solve two different problems, even though it's the same product.
1: So you mentioned the butterfly token. Um, can you kind of explain what the butterfly token is and how it
0: works? Yeah. So everything we do at Redacted is um, is done in a, in a more than decentralized fashion. Anyone who has a stake in the protocol, whether it's a contributor or one of our designers or even someone who's just in the Discord has a say in how the day-to-day operations of the protocol operate and should hold itself. Um, So the the token, you know, um, I think at this point people are very familiar as a governance token. People can hold the token um, and um, either create governance proposals or just vote on them um, based on how they want to see the protocol um, eventually evolve. Um, But at the same time, there's an incentive for people to Okay, before I get there, um, just the butterfly token itself equals one butterfly equals one vote, but you can also lock the token for um, one locked butterfly equals five votes, right? So if you want to show your conviction in the system and be able to have a greater say than other people, you can lock your tokens up and have five times the votes of others, right? The incentive for locking the token and showing that conviction in the system is the passback of the fees that are generated from the suite of products, right? So um, if you really want to get involved in the DAO, um, you can lock, have five times the greatest say, and receive platform fees from all the decisions essentially you made as a governance participant to you know, generate those fees.
1: Got it, so the, the butterfly token is a governance token, It's but it also is a yield bearing token in the sense that it gets uh, a cut of the fees that come back, that come from all these different products. Exactly, and the butterfly token is essentially the the token for the whole system. So it's the token for Pyrex, De Niro, um, you know, Redacted, you know, uh, Hidden right. Hand. Like all, all of these are tied together by the butterfly token.
0: Right. Like an easy way to think about it is like you know you have um, you have like Apple that offers the iPhone and the iPad and an Apple Music, and then you have Redacted as like an umbrella sort of project that's um, offering. DeNiro and Hidden Hand and Pyrex and uh, the the butterfly token is the token that governs Redacted, which is the umbrella project that launched all of these.
1: Okay, so this is a little bit off topic, but one thing that kind of drives me nuts uh, about Redacted is the geolocation blocking for for butterfly stickers. Um And I'm just curious, like, why can't you do something like a decentralized front end similar to what GMX does?
0: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we're in a position where obviously like the, the protocol is like, uh, is governed by a decentralized set of users. And um, obviously, all the infrastructure that we lo- that we launch is permissionless. Anyone can use it. But um, the front ends obviously have to be paid for someone, uh, paid by someone, right? And we have to offer those front ends as um, redacted, as the, as the project, right? <clears throat> obviously, there's like some countries where there's like a bit more like regulatory uncertainty. And it's just like not a risk that like anyone who's a contributor to the DAO is mm-hmm. like, comfortable taking like obviously we want to do all these cool things and yes anyone can use them um in a decentralized manner but in terms of us offering that product to people like um the contributors have to be a bit more cautious of like how those products are offered because not everything is clear in the crypto space right
1: yeah and i understand that part but i mean like um you know like i said gmx has their decentralized front end so it's like it's not built by them um it's not maintained by them could you guys do something like that or have you thought about
0: that well we haven't done it yet but we are doing that um, and we're doing even more than that, so uh, you can check out um one of our partners for that it 's called dream os um they're building like a like an entire interface where people can interact with these apps and using a decentralized front end and stuff and you know us as a protocol we're offering the decentralized infrastructure and we're partnering with people that are offering decentralized front end so that they can offer that service to yeah.
1: I was gonna ask, what's next for Redacted? And and what are you excited about?
0: I'm excited to get PXE off the ground. Obviously, um, everything doesn't come into fruition in just a second like that. Um, So we just launched it maybe like a a week or two ago. Now we're starting to get the different yield opportunities live. We're getting the validators spin up all of these different things. And for like the next Q1, I look forward to like really scaling this thing and becoming one of the bigger LSDs in the space. The whole year will be extremely busy. So then after that, We'll start allowing people to mint dinero against the PXE positions. And then as that comes along, we'll start to enable the RPCs so that people can use the stable coin. And then slowly the whole system will come together. So in the immediate future, I'm excited of getting like PXE started. And then throughout the whole year, I'm excited to like get the whole system launched and have it all operational.
1: I'm excited too. I feel like you guys are sort of like this hidden gem like not a lot of people um that i know talk about redacted but i'm i'm always like impressed by what you guys are building and i feel like it deserves a little bit more uh attention and credibility there's just so much cool stuff happening in crypto that it is really hard to pay attention to everything so i i get that but um yeah i'm pretty stoked by what you guys are, are doing and what you're building um th- this is kind of maybe on a different note and, and more just for fun but um what tokens or projects besides butterfly are you just interested in currently
0: I've been really busy. <laughs> um, with the um, But no, obviously, like, I'm excited about some of the upcoming L1s that are launching. I'm really excited about um, Bear Chain, um <clears throat> and the proof of liquidity concept there. I'm really excited about some of those decentralized front-end projects that we talked about earlier. I think that those solve a lot of problems. I think um, the deep pin space, like the decentralized front, uh, physical infrastructure, is also really exciting. I think people like being able to, like, hold things and recognize they're real. Um, so there's a few projects in that space too that I'm pretty excited about.
1: Okay, okay. And then another one just for fun, um, just being someone in the crypto space, I ask everyone this, how do you see 24, 2024 and 2025 playing out for crypto? If you have any sort of opinion on it.
0: <sighs> you know, you know, like my truthful answer is that like, if, if I knew the answer to that, I would be uh, on an island somewhere <laughs> like, a really okay, that that's a fair. That's fair. No, um, but I think um, things are looking good, right? Like um, sentiments improving. Um, the tech is only getting better. <clears throat> a lot of people that I know have been building stuff, are like finally getting ready to start releasing it, and there'll be a lot more things to do in this cycle. I think so. Um, I'm feeling optimistic, but um, you know, obviously, there's anything could happen anytime.
1: Yeah, anything could happen anytime. Today we saw a, a pretty massive crash. In the market based off of, um, you know, some people saying that the ETF wasn't going to get approved. One story saying the ETF wasn't going to approve, the whole market just dropped. (laughs) Everyone was waiting on pins and needles on that one. And then it came out that like, not super credible. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anything can happen in crypto. Uh, And maybe, um, you know, going into that, obviously, none of this has been investment advice. Um, I personally do hold some butterfly tokens, so you should be aware of that. And you know, butterfly is risky, crypto is risky, everything's risky in the crypto space. And so you should always be careful because anything can happen. If, if people want to learn more, um, about redacted and what you guys are doing, what's the best place to go? Is it like Twitter, discord?
0: Yeah. Um, the Twitter has the link tree to like everything, um, whatever interests you, you want to just go straight to the app. So you want to go to the discord, talk to us, whatever. Um, we're all there in the discord but the Twitter is like generally where where we share things we'll have um, our university live in the coming weeks also Um, so for people who want to like learn more than just stay up to date um, that will be live and launched soon as well so um, the Twitter is the best place to like go and then from the Twitter there's in the description like a way to get to whatever you want to get to